talk about courageous faith today. I want that to be something we kind of settle in our heart and our mind as an attitude that we adopt and incorporate into a life and a lifestyle for us. So I want, I want to think about courageous faith. I was thinking earlier, I googled um, law of attraction. Anyone ever heard of law of attraction? Now there are scientific laws of attraction, but there's also this thought process and this whole philosophy of thinking. There's been books written, a lot of different things about law of attraction, right? And it says whatever that we're thinking and whatever we open our mind and all those things up to, the possibility of that being attracted to us is enhanced. And, and on some level, you know, I'm not sure I buy into a lot of the things that they talk about, but on some levels, I believe that everything good is of God. And if I'm thinking good thoughts and I'm trying to draw those to me and I'm putting off that fragrance that attracts God to me and likewise him, I to him, then that's good. That's real good. And if I'm thinking about fears and being sick or falling down or things that happen in my recovery, relapsing, if that's always on my mind, I'm attracting that, not only that thought, but the possibility of some of those things happening. So I want to eliminate that. And I was thinking, what attracts God to us? And throughout the Bible, it's resplendent with great stories and scripture about all kinds of things. And sometimes we see things that God really, really detests. And the reference there is the opposite of that. What's not said is obviously what attracts him so much and what attracts us to him because it's important. It's important as a way of life. It's important to adopt as a philosophy and a culture of living something that I can work towards attracting Almighty God towards me. Just like when my daughter, she does something good, she's in great favor with me. She attracts me and my attention to her. And when my son's, I, I use my daughter and my son, my son's four, he's like a trained terrorist. So when my son does something that is not very attractive to me, I oftentimes, you know, with discipline and with love and all those things, I don't really want to be his buddy, you know, for a little while. I'm kind of, I get like that. And so I'm thinking, you know, I wonder if God's like that, if we can be really attractive to him, then sometimes maybe we grieve him. And so I want to share with that. You guys all right with that? And I want to make it really simple because I'm a simple minded kind of guy. And if I can't see a picture on how to maybe put some scripture in this whole thing in process, real time in the world today, 2016, without oxen and yokes and things that confuse me sometimes. I need that to really walk this thing out for me to be effective. You guys all right with that? So I'm going to try and paint a picture. I got six scripture. Um, can we throw the first one up there? Listen, there's a million scripture on faith and courage. The whole Bible is covered with wonderful things about, so I threw six in there. It's Wednesday night. I want to let you out of here quick. Um, the first one is Revelations 21, 7 through 8. He who overcomes shall inherit all the things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. 8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all the liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, I'm not going to get into the second part of that. I want you to notice the order of things here. I want you to know that there's an order to a lot of things biblically, and we see order throughout the Bible, and I know it's important, right? The order here is the cowardly is listed at the top. We're going to look at other scripture, and we're going to see where order oftentimes refers certain things. And I want to be really clear when I say 
God is not a God of chaos. He's a God of order. No one likes disorder and chaos. In fact, if you've ever been in front of a judge and he slams that down and says, you're out of order, that's not a good day. That's not a good time. It's not a good thing. And there's an order to all, all things, and, and we need to be mindful of that. So, so the first thing above murder is above sexually immoral, above all those things. What's the first thing? that's listed. Cowardly. Now, I find that fascinating that in the order of referring to this, that cowardly is above murderers and sexually immoral. And, and so I always get fascinated when I see things like this. Go to the next scripture, Proverbs 16, 6, 6, 16 through 19. Now, we're going to talk about six things God hates, right? And he says, I, the Lord hates, yes, seven's an abomination to him. Next a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. Next. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies, and anyone who sows discord among brethren. Six through 19. Listen, six things he hates. The seventh is an abomination to him. So there's an order to things here. And out of all the things that's listed there, shedding innocent blood, murder, and all the things we see cowardly is at the top, and we see what's an abomination is dividing us, sowing discord, bringing division. We're going to see that unity is really important to God. And it puts off a real sweet fragrance to him. It attracts us to him. And that division does not. And so let's go to the next one, Ephesians 4, 11. Now, I want to build this out for you, and then I'm going to talk about these real quick. But I want to just go through these scriptures. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying or the maturing, the building of the body of Christ. Next. Till we all come to the unity of faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In order for us to receive and be at that full measure and stature, unity needs to happen. Which is why discord among the brethren is such an abomination to God. When we do this, you know, not that it's right, but he would rather bash our brains in than us do this. Okay, it's an abomination because the unity is what he requires for the full measure and stature to be to really, really be active in the earth today. And make no mistakes. He's not coming back to a weak, ugly, dark, beat up church. It's just not read it. Read it. Let's go to the next scripture real quick. A couple on faith. Luke 8, 18. I tell you that I will avenge him that. He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, he will, will he really find faith on the earth? You know, you know, he didn't say, will he find great marriages? And will he find, you know, um, you know, deep dish pizza? Will he find people feeding others? Will he find that? He said, will he find faith? Will he find faith in the earth? That's really a fragrance that smells good to him. That is something that God is attracted to. And he wants to find faith. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But I want you to get this, that there's a lot of things that for us to have courageous faith, that we're going to have to paint some pictures in our own minds so that we can walk it out real time. And I'm hoping tonight that I can do that that for you. Romans 12, 3. 
For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. We're going to get back to this one. We all got a measure of faith. We all got an idea of what that means. I got some thoughts about that. I want to back up later and talk about that. But let's go to the last run, Hebrews 11.1. Uh, and we all know these scriptures. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we know that faith and faith is all through the Bible. I, I encourage you, dig and feast on courage and faith on your own. If you can't find a hundred scripture or stories referring to courage and faith throughout the Bible, you're not looking or you haven't spent a good eight minutes in it. And I encourage you on your own because it's really going to profit you in the long run if you'll do this. I threw six up there just to set the tone right here so that we could talk about a few things. I want to go back to the measure real quick. Um, can we back up to the Romans 12.3? Okay. So it says that we're all given a measure of faith. And, and I've, over the years, I've heard some things and I've talked to some people and I, I receive a lot. I think there is a lot of interpretations and possibilities for that measure of faith. And, and so one thing I want to submit to you that I really believe is important that I'm not saying everything I say is right. I'm saying I submit it to God. I pray about it. I ask people. I, I want to know more and I want to go deeper and I want to understand this measure of faith. And for the best, for me to make a picture out of this, I want to share another story with you. Some people say that that measure of faith is required to bring people to salvation, and I think that there's a lot to that, and I really do. I heard this story about um, water aquifers and, and water pumps. And, you know, if you ever saw a water pump, and you see how they, they crank that thing. Next to the water pump, there's, there's a bucket of water, and it's got a little water in it, okay? And, and in order to tap into the gusher, they got to take the little water and prime the pump. And once they prime the pump, and it's the exact same thing in the bucket that's under the ground, and once they prime the pump, they open up the floodgates. They open up a gusher of water. They needed just a little bit to tap into a big bit. Do you get that? You guys see that picture? I want you to think about your little bit of faith that you might have and the courage it takes to step out sometimes against what looks real or unreal, right or wrong, and unload that small measure of faith in the hopes of tapping into the full measure of Jesus Christ. See, when the lady with the issue of blood in Mark 5, when she grabbed that hem, when she grabbed that hem, Jesus had not taught that. He was not walking around prior to that teaching of the healing of the hem. There's no, there's no, no instruction in here. There's no teaching of the healing of the hem. When Paul was sending aprons and handkerchief in Acts, I think, 21... When he was sending those out and people were getting healed, there was no teachings on there. There was no instruction on there. The Bible says in Mark 5, when she touched his hem, that she knew 
that it was over. She knew she was healed. And it goes on further, and Jesus says, who touched me? Who touched me? And the disciples look at him kind of crazy, like, look, you know, we're in throngs of people. Millions of people are pushing you. He had felt and known that the power had come out. He had never taught about that. There wasn't books about that. For whatever reason, her small measure of faith told her if you could just touch that, you could tap into the full measure of Christ, and the result was the healing. She hit a gusher. She hit the aquifer. With her small measure of faith, she primed the pump and tapped into the wealth of heaven in Jesus Christ. And when we take our small measure of faith, and whether it's for a moment or a season, a reason, when we take that small measure of faith and we are, and, and, and it takes courage, I'm going to tell you this, it takes courage. You know, when Heidi Baker was here, I remember one time telling her telling a story. She says, you know, everyone asked me about these miraculous healings. And I got to tell you, I think we just pray more for people. And that struck me. Because she's stepping out all the time, laying hands, praying for things and contending for things. When I hear of guys going out there, when Revive was going, laying hands, when I hear of people contending for resurrection, when I hear of that boldness and courage, it stirs me up. Most people don't want to be around courageous people because courageous people, they are the people that are exploring all the possibilities. And faith, if you'll take that measure and explore out there, you're going to tap into the full measure to that aquifer and you're going to see miraculous all the time. But listen, your friends are going to think you're a kook, right? And people around you are going to think you're weird. Listen, when these trailblazers are out there on their own discovering things, everyone thinks they're nut jobs. And we say little things to make us feel better, right? Like, oh yeah, he had a bit, he hit his head when he was a kid or something. He's he's out in the, you know, in the west there somewhere blazing the trail. And we say all these things to feel better about ourselves until they discover something. And then we want to write books and instructions and jump on the bandwagon, right? As soon as someone's healed, as soon as miraculous happens, everyone comes running. But to be courageous, you're going to have to step out and be an explorer without instruction. You're going to have to follow the word of God and the Holy Spirit and have to do these things without the book and the teaching. You're going to have to send that handkerchief out knowing when it gets there, they're going to be healed and raised from the dead. Why? Because your measure of faith primed heaven. And like, like we pray that, and what is it in the, in the Lord's prayer? Our Father, thy will be done on earth as it is. Do you think this is just cute words that we can get around and sing Kumbaya to? Do you think that he really wanted heaven to be on earth with us? I think he did. I think he did. And he gave us a measure of faith and we don't need a ton of it. Just prime it. He's got a ton of it. And when we unite together and the unit, am I baptizing you guys with spit up there? Where are we at? I got a couple minutes. Listen, 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 I'm a real simple minded guy. I need a picture in my, I need a, I need to know that it's okay to not understand everything in here. I need to know that it's okay not to have instruction and books and everyone leading me into the discovery that worked for them. I need to know it's okay to have the courage to be an explorer. 
I need to know, you know what? I don't have the answers, but the Bible says it. My faith says it. I'm going to touch that guy in the wheelchair, and he's going to walk. Why? Because my measure is going to prime the pump of Jesus Christ in his fullness and heaven, and it's going to be done. And you know what? If you call me a kook, and if it doesn't work once or twice, that's all right. I've been called a lot worse. Believe that. Right? Just being real, I've been called a lot worse. You can call me a kook. I want you guys to know that, you know what, being an explorer and activating your faith and being real time, real time, today, 2016, where are we at, March still? We're in March, 2016. This is what's happening today in the world. Pastor Dan's going to a dangerous place. I have faith, and we're going to pray, and I'm going to pray, and I want you to pray. I have faith. Not only is he covered, but the miraculous, and that he's going to be tapped in, primed in to the fullness of Jesus Christ everywhere he goes over there, right? I know that. Just like Paul when he sent the handkerchief and aprons, no. What is that one? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It doesn't take a lot of faith after the discovery's been made. I challenge you and encourage you to explore and tap into your measure. Let's look at, I want to I talk about Jim Bailey. I was talking to Bailey for a minute here before, and he told me a couple things that were a little bit shocking to me, you know? Did you know that in Europe, um, one of the biggest exporters of bananas is Iceland? Did you know that? Who knew that in here? Yeah, Iceland is ice land. It's ice and rock. Bananas are tropical, tropical. That's where they go. They're the largest exporters of bananas. And next to be tomatoes for all of Europe. It's crazy, right? So what they did is, you know, we got an explorer out there somewhere along the line that said, look, at, we have these huge land masses coming together, causing a lot of thermal nuclear energy, and there's all this energy happening. Let's tap into this heat and this energy, and it's free, by the way. They tapped into it for free. And they built these ginormous greenhouses that are like the tropics, and they grow some of the best bananas in the world. They supply all of Europe, and they're going to tomatoes next. Now, you tell me to go to Iceland and grow some bananas, and I'm going to tell you you're banana, right? Because that's cowardly. It doesn't take anyone to say no and to criticize you for sending me to Iceland to bring a whole atmosphere to an atmosphere that is foreign to that. Listen, there's never been tropic weather in Iceland to grow bananas, the notion that someone would have the gall to bring the tropics to Iceland and grow bananas is beyond, re it's beyond reason. It's just not reasonable to me, to my way of thinking. God wants us to be beyond reasonable. He wants us to plant heaven everywhere we go by tapping in our measure with his measure, and making the tropics in every Iceland we go, with healing, with families, with restoration, with our children, with everything we encounter, whether we go across the world or stay right here in Sarasota, he wants us to be that, just like Iceland, growing bananas. And people will look at us like we're bananas, that's all right. 
They're going to look at us like we're banana. One time I was at work and I'd been there for a while and I was doing sheet metal and everyone smoked pot and drank beer at lunch. And I was in my recovery and so I would pull out this little pocket Bible and I'd read some scripture and I'd be like, you know, um, everyone's getting toasted, right? And, and they would criticize me, right? I was that holy roller guy and look at him, tattooed, three-time loser. Who's he fooling, right? And I heard it all. I heard it all for months. I heard it all for months. And I just was like, I was passionate about my recovery. I was more passionate about my recovery in God than I was about doing dope. I came to that place. And so I'd read my little pocket Bible, sit all alone, and no one would talk to me. And the little crews would smoke their pot and they'd drink their beer. And then one day I'm up in the ladder and got my head poked in the sheet metal. And a guy's tapping on my leg and I look down and, you know, he's looking down the hall and he goes, Hey, my mother's going in for surgery. Would you pray for her? I said, Yeah, I'd love to pray for her. And before you know it, six months later, everyone there was giving me prayer requests. And I would bring them to the harvest house because. I didn't know. Listen, there's not a whole lot of instruction. Just like, you know, there's not a lot of instruction for a lot of that stuff. God wants us to have courage to be explorers. So I'd take these prayer requests and, you know, I'd go, oh, hey, ho, oh, hey. And, you know, I'd listen and I'd watch what these guys are doing and pastor and all them up front here. And when I first got here and I sat back there and I'd watch what was going on here, I was like, wow, this is carnival-like. Yeah. You know? And, it, and the tongues and all the stuff going on and on my head spinning. I don't know if it's real. Is it real? He says it's real. Is it, does it work? He says it works. She's healed. He's healed. Whatever, you know. I know I like it. I'm not leaving, right? I'm free. I'm not on dope. I ain't going nowhere. And so, you know what? I brought that to my work. And that little bit of faith I had, even though they were just, you know, ridiculing me, even though they were talking about me, because, listen, that's what cowards do. Because it doesn't take anything to do that. What courageous people do is they activate that measure of faith and tap into the full measure and bring heaven down and they experience those things. And if you would just get in the habit of walking that out and knowing that little bucket water you carry carries a big punch. As soon as you prime that, you're activating heaven in the full measure of Christ. You all right with that? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. It ain't easy being cheesy every day, is it? And life keeps going on. And sometimes it's hard out there and things chip away at our courage. Sometimes my attitude stinks and I stink. Sometimes my attitude's great and I'm great. Sometimes I remember to activate, to use that little measure God gave me and see the miraculous happen by tapping in. I don't need to do a whole lot and I don't need instructions. I don't need to know. I just need to have faith. I need to have faith that God is more than able because I've seen it a million times. I've seen healing, I've seen deliverance, I've seen it in my life, in my family's life, in this church. I don't need a whole lot, just a little courage with my, it's like peanut butter and jelly when you talk of courage and faith. You want a great sandwich, get some peanut butter and jelly. You want great things to happen in the earth, bring some courage to that little measure of faith and watch what happens. Bring heaven to earth, bring heaven to earth. Listen, brother, give them heaven. You gave them enough of that other stuff. It's time to reverse that. Let's give them heaven today. And we do that by, and the Bible says everyone, all, all have been given a measure. Listen, all, even the one that doesn't know God yet. Yeah, yeah, even that one. Let me see if I got anything else for you. I might have to have pastor take over. My throat hurts from all that screaming from Michigan State. 
I know. I should have. I was. I was actually, so um, I actually went and prayed. I did every kind of prayer I thought. I even, you know, I even did this prayer with God. God, you know how much I love the Spartans. And I know you want to line up with the desires of my heart. And I'm sure there are some people praying for Middle Tennessee. But I'm praying now, please, God, I'm crying out to you. So after all that happened, you know, my daughter, she asked me questions and, and my wife. And I think, okay, so someone's praying more in Middle Tennessee than me. And I've got to do something about that. I need to get some ash out and, you know, get all holy again. Listen, I'm going to let you guys go. It's 845 and I don't want to take up, you know, here's the deal. I just want you to know that to be courageous and have faith isn't easy every single day. You know what? I get sick and tired of people, Brother Carmen. I'm in front of three, four hundred people every week up in the jail, Sally, here, drugs, all the destruction of the enemy. I see it firsthand. And sometimes it's enough to make a billy goat puke, man. It makes me want to puke. And sometimes I get tired of it. And I got to just lay on my face and ask God, minister to me. Where's my faith? Where's my strength? Help me. Help me so I can help someone. Help me so I can be your hands, that full measure, that stature, greater things than you've done. I can't comprehend it, but I want to. And so he showed me, you got, you got the pump primed if you'll just outpour with courage your measure of faith and get into mine and heaven, all things are possible. All right? Trust me on this. I don't know a whole lot about a lot of things. Dope, recovery, God, and that's about it. I like candy and sweets. I eat a lot of junk food. Um, other than that, I don't know a whole lot, but I do know this, that when the chips are down and my ch courage has been chipped away at, and I just ask God, minister to me, help me, because I don't want to go on anymore. I don't want to talk to another person. I don't want to hear another this. I don't want all that. And I get on my face and I cry and I say, God, minister to me. He does all the time, every time. And I get up and I dust myself off. I shift my attitude. I turn it to gratitude. I get the pump prime and I say, you know what? This person's hurting and suffering. Let me put my measure of faith in the fullness of Christ and let's get that taken care of right now. And I don't care if the other girls say, eh, eh, eh. I don't care if the other guys say, well, that's a Jesus freak. Listen, you know what I didn't care about when I was out there? Sticking a needle in my arm and living behind a dumpster shining like a pork chop. You think I'm going to care anymore if I put my hands on someone's forehead and I just ask for healing for almighty living God to heal and deliver them? You think that moves me? I'm not embarrassed by that. I could care less. I'm going to use that measure of faith. I'm going to tap into that full measure. I'm going to get that gusher. I'm going to get that gusher, and we're going to see on earth like it is in heaven. I want you to do that with me. Are you all right with that? All right. You guys are groovy. Thank you. I have no idea how to follow that up. Other than it's, that'll never happen. Pray for Duke. Other than to tell you this is the only theater in town that you can see that movie right there, all right? You are one of a kind, my friend. You are the independent foreign film with subtitles. <laughs> that everybody says is worth watching. 
What a great story and what a great message tonight. You know, I was thinking about this as I was sitting there. I was thinking, you know, the the picture that has been painted to the world of what it looks like to live this Christian life is so inaccurate. Because if we live the life that Christ actually has given us the chance to live, a life that really is on the edge, where we're full of faith and courage, and we begin to operate in that, we would make the world jealous. I don't know about you, but some of the highlights of my life have been when I've been on the edge of faith, stepping beyond what I thought was possible, stepping beyond my comfort zone. I remember during Revive Florida, we were on a basketball court uh, with some of the young adults. Uh, No, I'm sorry. uh, We were in a park up at GT Bray in Bradenton with a bunch of young adults, and there was a little skate park there. And we walked over to the skate park, and there was a young man who was about 15 or 16 years old. Some of you heard me tell the story in church. He had the big hearing aids in his ears, the ones that have kind of the attachments on the back. He'd been deaf since he was two, could barely hear really with the hearing aids, and we talked to him. I just thought, you know what, we're in Manatee County. If you've ever been on the mission field, you know it's, for some reason, it's just so much easier to pray for people like that on the mission field and to have the faith for it. I don't know what it is about it, just because, you know, we never see these people again. They're not in our city. It's not our culture, our surrounding, and so we just let it rip. We get outside of ourselves. But if we actually lived a life where every day we took a step of faith, even if we just said, you know, today, at least one time today, I'm going to step outside of my, my comfort zone in faith and do something. Just one time. It'll take you three minutes, one time a day. I wonder how crazy adventurous our life would be. I remember we laid hands on this kid and he took his hearing aids out. He's 15 years old. He had his buddy there that was probably 16. His name was Sam. I still remember now. And uh, we laid our hands on him right there in Mansi County in GT Bray, in the park, people skateboarding around. And I said, hey, can you hear any better? And he said, yeah, I, something's happening. Something's changing. I said, well, can you hear 100%? And he said, no. So we're going to pray again. So we prayed again and his eyes lit up and something was happening. And so I got behind him and I began to whisper and he would repeat everything I said. We had one of our team members there, but part of our team had gone up, up to another part of the park to pray for folks. And, uh, and so I remember we, we got in the car and I started telling the rest of the team, this, this young man, God totally healed him. They had met him earlier and we got in the car and we were getting ready to roll out. And we were probably from here to the, to the end of the sanctuary back there. And, he was sitting on the bench because it was a half an hour later. We had prayed with other people. We had hung out and, and talked to other people in the park and, and uh, talked to them about the Lord and prayed with them. It was probably 30 minutes later. He sat on the bench. He never moved. 15 years old. You can't get 15-year-olds to sit still. And his hearing aids were sitting next to him. I could still see them. And on the way out, his back was to us, and I yelled out the window. I said, hey, Sam. And he looked back around. He heard me perfectly. And I just said, you know, what if every day we just, we didn't wait for Revive Florida. We didn't wait for Heidi Baker to tell us to do it. We didn't wait for a conference. We didn't wait for the right message. What if every day we live the adventure? It's not that every time we see great miraculous healings. But you know, I guarantee you, you'll never see God heal or touch anybody if you don't ever pray for them. That's guaranteed. You say, how do I see my faith work? Well, you have to begin to exercise it. If you never step out in faith, then we'll just go through this life humdrum, 
go to work, come home, do the rat race. But, but God's actually called us to live a life on the edge. I'm not going to preach to you, I promise. But that's why I love these folks that are up here in the front with my mom. My mom, same thing. They live, they live life on the edge. They took their, basically their retirement, their home, everything they had and they sold it. They were in the, you know, the semi-retirement years where they could semi-retire or retire. Instead of retiring, they took everything they would live off of and they sold it. And they moved to a third world nation to live amongst the poor and to try to do something about the problem of, of the, the, the hundreds of thousands of orphans in that country. That's living life on the edge. It may look different for you, but take that measure of faith that God's given you and prime the pump of heaven because it's the only way we'll see heaven come to earth. It's through your life. Amen? All right. Well, let's pray and then I'll let you go. How's that? So, Father, we thank you for that message tonight. That was great, Jim. We just ask you to bless Jim, his family, Lord, and his life. What a gift and anointing you've given him. And God, I ask you to bless every person that's here. God, give us an incredible weekend. Lord, we're believing for salvations this weekend, both on Saturday and Sunday. Let, 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 Father, let so many people get saved and come to know you and be willing to be discipled. And then, and those two days, God, let just believe him for a mighty harvest this week. We just thank you, Father, for the next couple of days and for just strengthening and encouragement and just refreshing to your people. In Jesus' name. Hey, before you go, I want to tell you this. Nancy Barrett, stand up, Nancy, wave at everybody. Besides the fact that it's her birthday on Saturday, she's our administrator here. Nancy got saved, I think at 26, 28 years old on an Easter Sunday. Yeah, and now her and her husband work in the ministry and live their lives to expand the kingdom. So we don't know who will be here Sunday, whose life will be impacted and will impact many. So, and you, we don't know who you have an opportunity to invite that could have that kind of life that's just waiting for somebody to step out in faith and invite them. That's a good way to start to put Jim's message in action. God bless you guys as you go. We love you.